It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, the Hawks have snapped their three-game losing streak with a very nice home win over the Orlando Magic on this Sunday evening. We'll get into all of what transpired in the game, how to operate without Trey Young in the future, and much more. And all that is coming up right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1661 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday here in late February. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. And right now, if you are a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets. So any winning $5 bet, and the place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Also, top of the podcast, I should encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check out the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Overcast. Also, we are on YouTube on the video side. And if you're listening to this podcast on Monday on the audio platforms, this will no longer be a problem for you. But over the weekend, we had some hosting changes at the at the network level. So uh, YouTube has been the flagship for us the last few days. And uh, thank you for listening and watching us on that platform as well. And uh, certainly encourage you to check out the audio side and the video side for maximum support of the podcast. One more plug at the top of the show. I also did a emergency podcast earlier tonight on Sunday before tip off about the news that Trey Young is going to be out for at least four weeks and maybe longer with uh, finger surgery that's going to be happening later this week. I will not do a ton on that topic on this show, but I certainly encourage you to listen to that. It's about 22 minutes long or so that I dropped on Sunday exclusively about that topic. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously going to be interwoven in the future coverage as well as maybe this podcast a little bit as well. But for actual details on that, there is a standalone episode that is available in your feeds right now on that. But anyway, the Hawks played. After that, on Sunday evening, and picked up a very nice home win, 109-92 to at the uh, hands of the Orlando Magic. Uh, a very solid across-the-board performance for the Hawks. It was not always easy for Atlanta. Um, this is actually the fourth game against Orlando, fourth and final game, I should say, of the year. The first three games were all very close, and in this game, 
It was shipping out to be that way, and then the Hawks had a massive third quarter, in which they doubled the Magic up 38-19 to in the third period. That was the difference in the game. They were down by six at halftime, and from there, it was a rocket ship. They had a nice close to that quarter. Murray was great in that quarter, as was Jalen Johnson, and the Hawks were able to kind of hold serve down the stretch. It got a little dicey with like four minutes to go, but it was uh, not quite in doubt in the final minutes for the Hawks to kind of hang on and get the victory. Now, obviously, uh, you know it's a little bit of a um, perfect storm in some respects, Coming off of the Trey Young injury, the fact that he didn't play in this game, they had a good defensive game, all that stuff. So the takes are out there. Um, I would recommend nuance always, as I will try to provide that on this podcast as always. But here's part of it. The Hawks were actually favored in this game. Now, I got several questions about this before tip-off, about how in the world the Hawks could be favored in this game, given how they have been playing recently. They lost their games in a row, and also without Trey, without Nikai Kongwu, etc., but they were favored by our, our folks at FanDuel had them as a two-point favorite in this game. Crucially, Orlando had an impossible turnaround. They had a back-to-back. They played an 8 o'clock start in Detroit on Saturday and then had a 7 o'clock early start on Sunday. It's about as narrow and as rough of a back-to-back as the NBA will allow scheduling-wise. Um, and then you throw in the fact that Orlando also did not did not have Paolo Boncaro in this game, their best and most visible player, their all-star, etc. So... Obviously, it was a little bit more even than you might think for a team that has a better record than the Hawks, but had a tough schedule spot and, again, was without their best player in addition to Trey being out. So, all that said, it wasn't like the Hawks were huge favorites, but um, the kind of some of the surprise, if you're more of a casual observer, you might be, might be kind of surprised that the Hawks were a favorite and that they won this game without Trey. But when you realize that, like, all the parts coming into play here, it wasn't a terribly shocking result, especially if you uh, watch this one in Orlando's offense in particular. Now, all that said... What I do at the top of the podcast here is usually go over that kind of the broad strokes. And then later on in the podcast, we'll kind of dig into the you know meat and potatoes throughout the game. And then at the end, we'll talk about all the players who appeared for the Hawks in this game. And I have to start with the defense because they allowed 92 points. That is the fewest of the season allowed by the Hawks. Um, a very, very slow paced game, which was part of that. But they still had like a, like a 97-ish defensive rating in the game. That's also very good, of course, in any context. I have to be the bad guy a little bit and give you the context and the nuance that Orlando is not good offensively. They are a bottom seven or eight team in the league on offense this year. And even worse when you remove Paulo Boncaro, but even when you adjust for that. So I'm putting that out there, but certainly it still matters. The Hawks were good defensively in this game. They were, it helped that the Hawks played small, just less in this game than they did on Friday in particular. Like they played a lot of Joe Joe Johnson at center on Friday. Um, I I talked about that on that post-game episode where the Hawks just could not get stops playing that small ball unit. Now, they were better on offense with that unit, and that happened also again in this game, but they were just generally bigger. They also got Kobe Bufkin in this game, which was nice to see, and he helps them defensively, given his current state compared to their other perimeter guys on this roster. They also just played bigger in general. Normally, they are playing a ton, and obviously, you know, this makes sense. They're playing a lot of Trey and DeJounte together, 24-ish minutes a night, something like that, on average, and that's a very small group. Now, we all know that, but in general, one of the issues this year with the Hawks is that they've been very small on the whole. And Quintzari talked about, talked about it a lot this year. Um, I don't think he loves how the roster was built in that respect. But anytime they're missing any of their forwards or any of their bigs, they're very small. And right now, yes, they're missing their, you know, arguably their best center at this point, but certainly one of their best centers in a Kongwu. But his size is one of his question marks. And all their forwards, the three forwards they actually have on their roster, Hunter, Bay, and Johnson, are all available. So without Trey, they're just bigger in general. And that definitely helped the defense a lot. Um, I think they only played two or three minutes the entire game with two small guards, and that was with Murray and Bufkin. The rest of the game, it was one small guard. They played a center, 
pretty much the whole game. There was there was one stint with Jalen Johnson playing center, uh, but it was mostly Bruno Fernando and a little bit of small ball sprinkled in. And uh, in general, they were just bigger, and that would help them defensively. Now, Orlando also you know actually shot them okay from three, but the Hawks packed it in. And I think wisely so. Orlando is not a difficult team to defend in some ways because they don't have a lot of perimeter shooting. And they can maybe beat you with that. We saw that a little bit and actually in the previous matchup when Caleb Houston went crazy for the Magic against the Hawks. But tonight, they shot the ball okay. 37% from three in the game. But the Magic also had 20 turnovers. That was a big factor in this one. Orlando is very clearly one guard short offensively. They have a lot of guys. You know, they were, they were missing Gary Harris in this game. Um, they had Markel Fultz back in this one, but he played 12 minutes. Like, they have Cole Anthony, who was, you know, you know he's a scorer. Um, Anthony uh, Anthony Black was rough as a starter in this game for Orlando. Anyway, there wasn't, this is, a, this is one thing that the Hawks didn't do anything to really stop. The Magic also shot 8 of 18 from the free throw line. Yes, they missed 10 of their 18 free throws, 44%. And it wasn't like that was one guy. You know, often in the NBA, you'll have like a, you know, one center or like a Ben Simmons type that just misses a bunch of free throws. This was everybody. Their whole team, nobody nobody took more than five. Nobody missed more than two, but they missed 10 free throws. And that was certainly, if the game had been closer, and it was close-ish with four minutes to go, that could have been a factor had they made some, had they made some shots. But anyway, the Hawks only allowed 18 free throw attempts, which is obviously quite good. They, they get credit and certainly should deserve credit for the turnover creation in this game. Lots of deflections, lots of steals. They had 10 steals in this one um, and, and, and on the way to the 20 turnovers in this game. So defensively, they just played pretty well. Like they did pack it in and the perimeter talent for, for you, uh, Orlando is not very good, but I thought it was a good game plan by the Hawks and it was executed well. They benefited from Buffkin. I thought even Bogey was better than usual defensively. Garrison Matthews was actually giving them good energy off the bench. Uh, defensively, Hunter was very good, I thought, in this one. He was actually a game-best plus 25. So uh, it was a team effort in a lot of ways for Atlanta and a nice result on defense. Offensively, it was not anything special. In fact, it was pretty much flat-out bad for three of the four quarters. But fortunately for the Hawks, it's a 48-minute game. And the third quarter, led by DeJounte and Jalen Johnson, was excellent. So that led to a 113-ish offensive rating in this game, which is not good. That's below their average, but... When you get stops, it doesn't necessarily matter. And uh, they were lights out in that third quarter with 38 points. So it was middling. The first half was kind of the, I would say, the downside scenario of not having Trey Young. If you watch the first half of this game, that is a perhaps a stark reminder of what the offense can look like at times without Trey. They didn't really have any direction. They were kind of listless offensively, but they woke up from there. From there. Part of that's that Murray was much better in the second half, as was Johnson, and they are the two best players right now, along with Bogdanovich on offense. Um, it's those three guys and maybe a little bit of, of Hunter sprinkled in there as well, but when Murray and Johnson are both playing well, they have a lot easier time, and that definitely happened in that third quarter. But the Hawks also shot, shot the ball well from the perimeter. Only 48% on twos, that's actually quite bad, but Orlando is very good defensively. That's also context. It's key context to throw in there because Orlando is bad offensively, but they're actually quite good on defense. So that's a little bit part of the whole mixture here. Credit to them on defense. The Hawks shot well from three, 41% from three, and 88% of the line. So the two teams took about the same amount of free throws, and the Hawks made seven of seven more of them did uh, than Magic did. So that definitely helps you on the margins. The biggest number, I might argue, though, was the 10 turnovers the Hawks had compared to 20 for Orlando. That is 10 extra possessions. Very helpful there. Also 31 assists. The ball moved fairly well after that stodgy first half, but they had four guys with at least 17 points. Uh, Bogdanovich, Murray, Johnson, and Hunter. Uh, and also Bay was fine with 12 points. So, like, they had decent enough balance. That's going to be helpful. And they also, I thought it was key in this game offensively that the Hawks were able to push the tempo a little bit more in the second half. Um, they had about 19% free 
frequency and transition in this game per clean the glass. That is well above where they normally are. And without Trey, not to beat the beat the point over the head too much, they're going to need to get easier stuff. And generally speaking, that means running a little bit more, especially with Jalen Johnson getting downhill, Murray too. Um, they're, they're not going to be as effective in the half court without Trey. That's just the reality on offense. So getting easier stuff, pushing tempo, and uh, that is much, much uh, help. So that's much more helpful to the offensive ecosystem overall. So yeah, I thought the Hawks played well in the second half. In the first half, they're down six. Like they didn't play awfully on defense. They played pretty well on defense. The offense was not good before halftime, but in the end, the full mixture and that third quarter, like the Hawks won the third quarter by, by 19 points and they won the game by 17 points. So the rest of the game, it was pretty locked in even and maybe even favoring Orlando, but uh, you know, it all counts. Last thing before we move on to the rest of the podcast, I can't believe I have to do this, but I feel like I should because I have so many questions and mentions and all that stuff right now. Simply put, the Hawks are not better without Trey Young. This is not a situation where we have to be silly about this at all. I talked about this a little bit on the emergency podcast as well. The Hawks still do have talent. They don't automatically lose every game because they don't have Trey Young. They are worse without him. That, that's not up for debate in my mind, but they don't, they don't become the Pistons either. It's pretty familiar in the NBA when you are missing your best player for a game or two, guys play up. It's a very natural phenomenon. It's been studied before. Um, it was, the Hawks played well in the second half of this game. Honestly, though, they won a game they're supposed to win. That is certainly good context. They were favored for a reason. They did a good job not letting down from there. So generally speaking, it was a nice win. And a reminder that, again, as I said on another show as well, the notion that the Hawks are like going to tank now is not really a thing. Like I said on that show, and I'll say again here, I would be on board with the Hawks prioritizing the future over the present. That is something you can do while not tanking. You can just play your young guys more and be considerate of that. But they're still going to try to win. That was obviously the case here. They they played to win this game. The only thing that was like even approaching a future-facing move that the Hawks made tonight was playing Bufkin over Mills, which probably should just happen anyway. So anyway, that's where we are. The Hawks should prioritize the future, but um, they won a game tonight over a team they are trying to chase in the standings. That's obviously a good result. They have a home game on Tuesday. We'll, we'll talk more, much more about that. But on a night when, and really on a weekend, on a last couple of weeks with the Okongwu injury and trade now going down, just the vibe was really bad around the Hawks. Getting a win at home is good for everyone. Like guys want to win and the Hawks getting a win there helps, just helps the vibe, generally speaking. So I'll leave it there for now. We'll have more on this game coming up in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly. I hope to produce this podcast by myself, and that requires sending a ton of different emails and making a ton of notes in preparation for the podcast. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key in your workplace, and all of those emails or notes or reports are important to the collaboration that you actually need to have to get things done, and Grammarly can help with all of that. Grammarly is your AI writing partner and helps you communicate more effectively and efficiently in order to make the bigger impact that you're looking for at your place of work. When I communicate with different supervisor managers in the sports writing space, I've also used Grammarly to help me work efficiently and confidently. It saves time. It also helps with clarity to get things done the way that you want to. And better writing makes a stronger impact in your workplace. 96% of people that use Grammarly report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. And Grammarly also works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, they provide relevant, personalized suggestions. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up right now and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That is G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. One more time, Grammarly.com slash podcast. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we'll dive in now to how this game unfolded. And the Hawks did score the first five points of the game. A nice start there. Joe Johnson had a huge block in the first minute of this one. I thought it was notable to me that Orlando had their defensive stopper, Jalen Suggs. It was one of the best players in the league at the point of attack, honestly. He's usually the guy that guards Trey in this matchup. He actually was defending Bogey, which I thought was notable. Like they have had they have other options on Dejounte. They had Anthony Black on him, a little bit more size. But um, that's just a reminder that like you know Dejounte and, and Bogey is also terrifying. But I thought it was just interesting that they did that. Orlando one seven from the forward beginning this game, but then they had a ten two run. Uh, Capella was really shaky out of the gate. We'll talk about him more later on, but he was not good in the first half in particular of this game out of sorts, and then uh, the Magic took the lead a little bit. They went to Fernando pretty early. It was Hunter and Fernando as the, as the first guys coming off the bench, then Garrison Matthews as the usual eighth man right now with the injuries they have. Bruno, by the way, had a nice had a nice dunk over Mo, over Mo Wagner right when he came in, basically. Um, but then the, the one point of drama on the rotation was whether or not they would give Kobe Bufkin the backup point guard minutes. Because as I've mentioned before, he has never still played back point guard until tonight. This is the first time it's ever happened. The one time he was in the rotation a couple weeks ago, he was playing alongside Trey DeJounte the entire time. He's basically playing wing because they had so many injuries and illnesses and Patty was out and all that stuff. Tonight was the first time in the Buffkin era that he played point guard and he looked fine. He, he played well defensively in particular. We'll, we'll come back to that later on, but I was encouraged by that, that they did not. I had this sinking feeling that they were going to go to Patty Mills and I was prepared for the online meltdown by Hawks fans. and It didn't happen, which was nice. Um, the Hawks did stay, manage to stay in the game, but the the first quarter was really, really unsightly offensively. Like I'm, I'm an appreciator of defense. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you will know that. But it was 22-19, and it was very clear to anyone watching closely that this was a battle of two teams that did not have their primary initiators. <laughs> Paolo was not there. They did not have a play in Orlando, and then the Hawks didn't have trade. It was really stodgy. The other team had a point per possession. They combined to shoot 33% from the field in the first quarter, so it was really rough to watch. It was better later on, but it didn't really wake up for the Hawks for a while. They had 28 points in the first 18 minutes of this game that they ended up winning by 17. So that's pretty crazy. They were shooting 28% from the field at that point. And then Quinn, I think wisely, went to the no center lineup for the first time to kind of try to juice the offense. Because the one thing that that lineup does with Jalen at center is that it just gives you an offensive identity. You don't have anybody in the middle of the lanes. To, I mean, whether it was Bruno or Capella, somebody's going to be in the lane or even a Congo a lot of the time. Um, it's it's not as easy. If you're playing five out, a true five out like they do with Jalen, it's just easier. And in general, that lineup of Murray, Bogey, Hunter, Bay, and Johnson is probably their best offensive lineup that they could put on the court without Trey Young. You might be able to argue that a Kong, if he's available, would, would, would be part of that, but because he's not right now, offense only, that is their best five without Trey. And that certainly allowed them to score a little bit. And also, at least have a prayer defensively. Like, it's not a, a good defensive lineup. But at least if you're playing Hunter, Bay, and Johnson, you have some beef and physicality up front. Um, anyway, 
Offensively, that woke them up a little bit. Hunter was really good in that stretch. He had a couple shots in a row. Also had a nice defensive possession against, um, I think it was Franz Wagner, to force a shot clock violation. And then Jalen came alive. So Jalen was 0 of 6 to begin the game, 0 of 5 in the first quarter. And then he made three shots in a row um, at one point um, to kind of get the offense going a little bit. And they were actually down one with two minutes to go in the first half. Ended up going down by six at halftime because the offense had a 92 offensive rating. They were 10 of 26 in the paint in the first half. And while the jokes are there about Capella being responsible for some of that, and he was, I think he missed three or four shots in the paint. They missed 16 shots in the paint as a team. So it wasn't just him. It was everybody that couldn't make shots in the lane. And then that kind of changed in the second half. It still wasn't great. And from two point range, the entire game, but it was better after that. Um, importantly, bogey hit back-to-back threes coming out of the locker room to tie the game. And then Jalen was just much more assertive. Again, he was part of the early problems. He was much more aggressive, pushing tempo, like I said before, um, and grabbing goes also in the half court. They kind of tried to water and then Murray, to his credit, had an awesome end of the third quarter. So he, he scored 10 straight at one point for the Hawks, including back-to-back threes. Ended up playing the whole quarter because he was kind of cooking, and that was the right that was the right call. He had 16 points in the third quarter. That was his second highest scoring quarter of the season. Um, I'm sure fans will remember this, but he had that famous 22-point explosion against the Wolves back in October in a single quarter where he just went absolutely nuts in a win back when the Hawks were like 3-2 and two or 4-2. and two, and It was like, oh, okay, the Hawks are be good. Um, anyway, that was... A nice throwback to that. When Murray was great on the stretch of that third quarter, he was a huge, a huge part of the process. And the Hawks had an 18 to one run to end the third quarter. Jalen and Dejounte combined for 26 points against only 19 for the entire Magic team. That's when the Hawks won this game. It's not like a huge breaking news kind of analysis there, but that really is what happened. And it helped the Hawks made some jumpers finally. They were five eight from three in the third quarter, plus a couple of mid rangers by Dejounte, and the Magic couldn't make a shot. And suddenly the Hawks are up by 13 points. They were up 20 early in the fourth. Um, Buffkin had a nice stretch defensively where he took, he took a charge on Mo Wagner. Then he actually, that, by the way, that got the, the, the bench was very excited, including Quinn, on that play. Also, he had a nice hit-ahead pass to Jalen for a layup, and then he locked Jalen Suggs down one-on-one defensively. So good, it's good to see Kobe do that kind of stuff on the margins. It got a little bit dicey, like I said before. A, a 15-4 to run by the Magic to go from down 20 to down by 9. Quinn called two timeouts in like two and a half minutes. It was a little bit... Mm, you know, worrisome. In fact, Orlando had the ball down nine. So the game was not even close to over, but the Hawks got a steal on that possession. Then Bay got a dunk, kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit. And then another, another stop and a bucket. And it was safe again. So it never got below nine, you know, in retrospect, was it as close as I think it was a closer game than 17 probably tells you, but uh, it was also the Hawks were never truly panicking, like up nine with three months to go. Like you're still in control of the game. It's just that some of that PTSD comes back about the Hawks blowing leads earlier in the year. But, um, yeah, hey, they held on, and they got the win, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. But obviously plenty to get to about the player stuff on this podcast. But, um, you know, not really any, like, possession-by-possession drama down the stretch. But literally highlights for pretty much everyone outside of maybe Capella and Garrison was just okay. But, like, as we'll get into in a second when we talk, we talk about the players, you know, Bay had some nice big moments. Jalen had a huge stretch in the third quarter, as did Murray. The two threes by Bogey that were huge shots in the third quarter. I thought Hunter was awesome in this game, honestly. So uh, a lot of positives to talk about, and we'll get into all of that momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. 
Today's show is brought to you by Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, your size, and your budget, and they do all the shopping for you, which makes it the easiest possible way to update your wardrobe this season. With Stitch Fix, I give my stylist my size and budget preferences and my style preferences as well. Then I order boxes when I want to and how I want to with no subscription required. And then they send me five just for me pieces, plus outfit recommendations and pro styling advice. I keep what works for me and send the rest back to them. My stylist is also looking to send just right pieces and the fit is always on point and they make it also very easy for you at Stitch Fix. I don't like to shop and they save me a ton of time and effort and not having to do that, honestly. And plus I get the outfits that I really think make me look good and feel really good as well. If you don't love something, just send it back to Stitch Fix and they have shipping, returns, exchanges, and they're always free at Stitch Fix. They give you a style that makes you feel as good as you look and you can get started today at stitchfix.com slash locked on. That is stitchfix.com slash locked on. One more time, the place to go is stitchfix.com slash locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and to the player breakdowns at the end of the podcast, nine guys appeared for Atlanta. Only two guys that were active and available to play did not play in this one. That was Patty Mills and Wes Matthews. They are the old guys, the resident veteran old heads, and that's okay. Um, We will see. I'm not going to do my entire rant about Trent Forrest still being on the roster right now on a two-way contract. Um, Still two and a half weeks in, no resolution there. I think the Hawks just have to have to have to do something there and actually bring in someone either at forward or at center for some depth. But no, I will uh, hold my, hold to my pledge and not do that rant on this podcast. But if you want to know more, I've talked about it a lot on Twitter and on this podcast and also on patreon.com slash BT Roland in previous days. So I'll leave it there for now. Anyway, the nine guys who played in this game, the guy who played the least was Kobe Bufkin. That's okay. I think I would probably put him a little bit more uh, big picture. In fact, I argued on the emergency podcast that I think I would probably just be trying to play Kobe 20, 25 minutes a night from this point forward. Basically, all the backup point guard minutes I would give to Kobe while Trey is out, and I'd also like to see him play with DeJounte more than he did tonight. I get it. The Hawks, like like I said before, the Hawks are trying to win, and I think that uh, Quinn, in deep in his wiring, just wants to win that night, and I think that he probably believes that they're better off pushing guys' minutes. But, like, look, DeJounte was awesome in this game. He played 39 minutes. That's a lot of minutes. I'm not sure he's going to play that much every night, but maybe he will. We'll see. But as for Kobe, three assists, had a steal, had a block, he had one bucket, he was 0-2 for 3, that's okay. But good energy defensively, like, I think it got to be overstated a little bit, like, he's not like Gary Payton right now on defense, but he is a good defender right now, because like, he's, he's getting good effort. I think that he has wisely been coached and kind of schooled that, like, hey, you're a rookie, you have to defend. That's been the mission in College Park as well. Um, Ryan Schmidt, who gets a lot of attention from Quinn Snyder, the head coach of College Park, has been doing a great job in College Park. They're really defending at a high level in the G League. It's different, but obviously they're playing defense in the G League. And I think that Kobe is well-schooled. And just tools-wise, like, he's a big point guard. Like, he's 6'4", 6'5". And, yeah, he'll be fairly small at the two when he plays there. But um, good size of the point, good athlete, and uh, he's trying hard defensively. And that's you can't, like, replicate that. That's very nice. Um, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, offensively, still, he's not, like, dominant at the NBA level. He was He ran some sets. He ran some pick-and-roll possessions that were fine, three assists. So he looked the part, looked good to me. More of that if I had to ask for anything. Um, Garrison Matthews, 17 minutes. 
Three points on four shots is eh, fine. Two, two rebounds. I thought, I thought he competed well defensively. He was the only, him and Capella were the only guys who were negative plus minus in this game. Bay was only plus two, but I thought Garrison was fine. I think that you could argue that they maybe should play Kobe a little bit, a few more of those minutes, future facing wise, but Garrison's a perfectly fine player and that is uh, okay with me. Um, to the rest of the bench, Bruno Fernando, 19 minutes. Um, it was actually most more than Capella played in this game. Is Capella never came back in when the game was out of hand. Uh, seven points, four assists for Bruno. Only one rebound is a little bit strange in 19 minutes, but had two steals. Physically, he's, he's flying around, and I, I've said this before. I, I know Glenn Willis talked about it tonight, my friend and colleague from ATL 29. He's always been on this podcast a lot as well. That Bruno is a capable backup center. He just is, and uh, that was on display again tonight. He wasn't like incredible, but he's totally fine, rotation-worthy, and he showed it tonight. Hunter was really good, I thought, off the bench. 18 points, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals. Always took eight shots from the floor, got to the line six times. He's getting to the line, getting to the rim more and more often, which is a very, very good thing for DeAndre Hunter. Um, he's never been the best at that, but there's a reason this year that he is um, basically clearly producing at a career best level efficiency wise, like 61% true shooting this year. Obviously the injuries um, are always a question with DeAndre until he proves that they're not. The knees are questionable, but when he's been out there this year, he's actually been pretty good. And that's, uh, you know, right now he's still, he's still come off the bench. They're kind of treating him. It seems like they're still having to like kind of cap his minutes a little bit in the, in the high. He's not gone into the 30 plus range since he came back. And by the way, that's all right. So uh, he's playing well and uh, he was really good in this game. A couple of big shots, a couple of nice defensive plays. And uh, if they can just get 28 minutes of this guy from down Hunter regularly, they'll be in good shape to the starters. Clickapella was not very good in this one. Uh, he was better, just like just like on Friday, he was better as the game went along, but he wasn't good. And I think there was this whole discussion, and I'm not going to do the whole thing now, about Capella and like, you know, he's not been good in these two games. He does not look like he is physically right right now. And the jokes are what they are. The, the finishing has been a problem all year long. I'm not arguing otherwise. I've said that in the past. Um, also, he just has to pass the ball out off, on offensive rebounds. But... I think physically, and uh, it wasn't just me to point this out, Glenn said the same thing, um, and I referenced it on, on Twitter tonight. It seems to me that Capella is just not there physically. Uh, he's coming back off the injury. Quinn kind of acknowledged that. I, don't, I won't play the answer for you. It's about a minute long. I shared it on my Patreon tonight. But uh, Quinn kind of talked around it. Like I think that both conditioning and just like he's not quite there. His base isn't quite the same place that it normally is. He's not getting off the ground like he normally is. Part of that's maybe age. That's fine. But if you watch Clint physically... A month ago, two months ago, it wasn't like he was the same guy he was three years ago, but it was way different than it is right now. And right now, he's he's killing them. And that, I mean, that's and people I'm sure are, are laughing because um, I'm the I'm seeing as the Capella guy, but like I'm objective about this stuff. Like he's not he's been really bad these two games. Um, that doesn't mean he's been terrible all year because he hasn't been. But he isn't the same guy that he used to be. But he also you have to hope because he's going to have to keep playing. Part of the problem right now is that like yeah, there's a school of thought of like okay, if he's not physically right, why is he playing? You look at the roster, they don't have anybody else. Yes, they have Bruno, who could be playing more minutes, I guess, but um, they don't have a third center on the roster, and they have three forwards on, on the active roster. So if Capella is able to physically get out there, he's going to keep playing. Um, I, they should still sign another guy in the front court, but um, I, I'll be interested to see how he starts to look physically as the weeks go on, because if this is going to be the physical part with Capella, they're going to be in trouble. Normally, he will be able to ramp up. Most guys are as he comes back, comes back to the injury, and... Snyder expressed confidence in him, um, as he showed, of course, from, from from the podium tonight. But um, obviously, you know, if he's the guy who was the, in these last two games, that's not gonna, that's not going to be a tough situation for a, a lot of people. So leave it there for now. But he was not very good. He was kind of the only guy who was not good in this game. Um, 
Sadiq Bey was fine. 12 points on 11 shots, two rebounds. Um, not his best work defensively. It was kind of an adventure at times for Sadiq, but um, I thought he was fine. And 35 minutes, like, he brings physicality. And if you're going to play small, you need that kind of punch, and he gives them that. Um, Bogey was okay. I mentioned before he had the two big shots early in the third quarter. That was his actually two of the three two of the three threes that he made in this game. He was two of six from, from two point range, three six five rebounds. Um, one turnover is nice. In fact, no one had more than three turnovers in this game, and that was Dejounte. But Bogey was plus eighteen. He was being guarded like a super duper. I mean, he almost always is, but the, the Magic were clearly afraid of Bogey, which I think is right. He, Bogey's a big threat. Um, Jalen Johnson, twenty one points, ten rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, plus sixteen. And again, he opened this game 0 of 6. So after that, he was 9 of 13. So he wasn't super efficient, but it was because he had a rough start. Once he woke up, he was excellent in this one. It's a reminder that Jalen is a terrifying prospect in the future. Like, he's obviously very good now, and he's only going to get better. Uh, and then DeJounte. 25 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds, 2 steals. It was kind of funny. Uh, both the Bally broadcast and my friend Lauren Williams of the AJC kind of declared that he was going to be a triple-double, and he didn't get there because he actually he basically did nothing in the fourth quarter, statistically. I thought he was fine, actually. He, he kind of was, was a caretaker. He had a couple of maybe some over-dribbling, a couple of bad turnovers, I thought, in the fourth, but um, still a big night for DeJounte. The third quarter, it was mostly DeJounte and Jalen that did that, and that was, again, the key to the entire game. So, um He's always more comfortable. It's not a shot at him by any means, but it's just the reality. I've said this before, especially during the trade stuff a few weeks ago. DeJounte is more comfortable. It's not even my, it's just very evident when he is the guy. When he's the point guard, he's handling the ball all the time. That is how he likes to play. And I would argue that he has really grown as a secondary guy. And his efficiency has really boosted this year because he's not been the guy every time, but he still likes to play this way. And it's a reminder, like, he can still do it. Like, he's a really good player. He's not as good at this as Trey is, but, like, that doesn't mean he's not a good player. So, DeJounte was huge in this win for the Hawks. Again, 25-11-9, um, pretty solid efficiency, and, uh, yeah, on a big performance. And it's it's very helpful. Like, in previous years, pre-DeJounte's arrival, they couldn't really get away with Trey being out offensively. Um, if DeJounte's got it, they're all right. It's the night, it's the nice when he doesn't have it, and that's going to happen because he's not going to have it every night. That's when you get into some dire territory, but... You know, tonight, they, he had it. They're, they're one for one, and they won the game comfortably. So, from here, I will plug this one more time. I did a 20-plus minute emergency podcast about the Trey Young stuff. I talked about the future on that show, his impact of not being there, um, the timeline, because, again, it's uh, it's reevaluation in four weeks, not return in four weeks, reevaluation. So, uh, he may not be back this year. We'll, we will see on that front. It will certainly matter in that discussion where the Hawks are in the standings. And this is one win, but they won a game tonight that they needed to win to kind of stay in it. They're still the 10 seed. They're still in play in position. And uh, we'll see from here. And I say that now is sort of the up next portion because they have an, another winnable home game on Tuesday. They play the Jazz at home. That's the first time they've seen Utah this year. They have to go to Utah in a couple weeks. Um, also, the first time the Hawks have ever faced John Collins on the opposing team. That, that'll be interesting. Um, his reception coming back home to Atlanta, etc. That'll be the talking point of the night. Um, obviously, it would have been a little bit more of a talking point even if, if Trey was around, but um, that'll be something. We'll see how the Jazz play. The Jazz are not a great team by any means, but they are playing at a reasonable level this year. They have a better record than the Hawks do. Um, that's a home game, so the Hawks might be coin flips, might even be favored depending on, on Utah's injury situation, but um, a winnable one for sure. They're not playing you know, uh, a great team at home on Tuesday. Um, from there, it gets a little bit more difficult. They have a three-game trip all to New York. They play the Nets twice on the road. And the Knicks once on that road trip, and it's a, kind of a three-game 
mini stand in the city of New York where it's actually kind of convenient. Like they fly up there once and then they're there for like five days. Interesting. But we'll talk about it more later on this week. Um, I'll sign off now. I've done a lot of talking on this podcast as well as over the weekend. I'll just plug the pod one more time. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast um, by Monday afternoon, we should be back on the audio platforms. And I would definitely encourage you to subscribe to the show multiple times if you are able to do so and willing to do so. Auto download the podcast, likes, follows, ratings, reviews, all that stuff is appreciated. We are on Apple, we are on Spotify, we are on Amazon Music, we are on Overcast, also on YouTube. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. I am also on there at BT Roland. My written work on the Hawks right now is at patreon.com slash BT Roland. I also share some audio clips from Quinn Snyder and some players, all that stuff that is on there as well. If it's not on this show audio wise, it's on that Patreon. So keep an eye on that. Uh, certainly uh, would welcome your support and really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. One more time, that trip episode's available for you right now. Three, It was a three-show weekend. Much more to come. I don't know when the next show is going to be. It'll be at the very latest on Tuesday after the game against Utah. Maybe something in between then, but I won't commit to that just now because of the extra show today. So stay tuned. And the best place to find us always is by just subscribing because then, then it'll be delivered to your to your inbox if you're an audio subscriber or, or the, the, the ping on YouTube if you are a subscriber on that platform. And thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend if you're listening to this podcast on Sunday nights. If not, enjoy the start to your week on Monday, and we'll see you next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.